Hi, I'm Lindsay Boomershine, brand manager of High Five Gear. H5G has thousands of designs to choose from and no hidden artwork fees. How awesome is that? Have your jersey tell your story. Order online at www.high5gear.com today. Add H5G into your wardrobe and show off your individuality. Use code ABOVE180 at checkout for $20 off any H5G style. Order today and enjoy high5gear.com. Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Billy Orlikowski. Billy is a director of product management for balls with Brunswick, Radical, and DVA. Billy also recently won his third USBC Open Championships Eagle by winning the team event in Syracuse this year. He was a team all-events winner in 99 in Syracuse and also 2012 in Baton Rouge. So, Billy, Tim Berg here. Thanks for making some time and joining me today. Thanks, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, thanks for having me on. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get right into things here. So, Warren B- Warren's S&B Pro Shop, you guys won the team event title in Syracuse. 33-22 was your, uh, was your series there. Now, the interesting part is you guys bowled on March 28th, the fifth day of the tournament. Did you, did you, when you left that tournament and left Syracuse, did you think that number would hold up? You know, it's, there's always a chance. So you can't win unless you leave when you're in the lead. So, um, you know, we thought, well, maybe there's a chance. But, uh, you know, when we bowled, you know, it just felt like, you know, as always, like all of us do, we always feel like, oh, my gosh, we left so many pins out there. And, uh, yeah, we didn't – we thought, you know – we we honestly thought that somebody was going to shoot 3,500. You know, we were surprised, you know, after a month, two months that, uh, you know, the score was still hanging in there and holding up. Yeah. So let's talk about how you guys did attack the lanes bowling at that early. I mean, when, when you wait and go a little bit longer in the tournament, you always have people you come back and talk to and people from Brunswick that have been there and people that are staffers and people that have thrown your equipment and such, but with you guys going into it pretty much blind, what was your plan of attack? If you don't mind sharing? Yeah, we, um, so Tim, what we did is, uh, you know, we always do the, the team practice session. Um, but, uh, it was only, you know, a teammate and I that actually did it. The other guys wanted to bowl more of the bowler's journal. So um, while they were bowling the bowler's journal, Ryan and I kind of did the uh, the team practice session. And, you know, we kind of saw what was a little different than last year because, you know, you got to do your homework. I mean, if, if you're out there hunting for an eagle, um, you know, the best advice I could say is, you know, do your scouting 
if you can try to do your practicing on last year's pattern, um, you know, it could be totally different, but you never know. At least it gives you a head start. And so what we found was, you know, it was a little different than last year. Um, there was a little bit more hook to it, although the, the middle seemed a lot flatter as well. Uh, we wanted to get a feel for how the pattern changed and how it transitioned. So, um, you know, we, Ryan and I, we took one lane, we got a pair, we took one lane and we kind of developed what we thought would be the right thing to do, like where to start, what balls to start with, what surface to start with. There's so many different variables there that affect how the pattern changes you know, through time. And, uh, you know, that first practice, uh, on the one lane we thought was, was pretty good, pretty good strategy. You know, um, you need to try to stretch the pattern when it's short. Um, and, you know, depending on where your ball slows down or, or where you see the, the hook transition, that's where you've got to try to start manipulating the break point. And, uh, you know, we had a pretty good idea. Um, we saw that it was shorter. So on that uh, next lane, we kind of changed our strategy a little bit, talked with, you know, our teammates. I mean, when you've got, uh, you know, Kurt Pilon, who's a PBA champion, and you've got Andrew Anderson, who's, you know, um, he was on our companion team watching and uh, kind of giving us ideas on what we should try next. I mean, it's, it's just... Uh, it's value, so valuable to have those set of eyes there watching. Well, exactly it is. And now this year, and w the team that I went with, we did the practice session as well, and there was a lot of talk that it would be a little bit different when you walk over, when you go to the on-center, just based on surface and conditions and, and et cetera, which is to be expected, obviously. But did you seem like you found it relatively close to that, that session or at least gave you an idea of what would roll well through the pins? Yeah, it, uh, Tim, it did. It, it kind of gave us an idea of, you know, what the, the pattern would play like. And like you said, I mean, you're going from AMF HPLs, which were, um, at the, uh, bowlers journal site to the on center, which is, you know, the Brunswick pro lane, which is, you know, one of the slicker surfaces, lower, lowest friction surfaces. Um, but it kind of gave you an idea of, you know, how that pattern was going to transition. You just needed to kind of change your ball surfaces um, to manipulate that, that, uh, that transition. And, you know, Tim, you said it, you know, the, the one most important thing is, you know, we always talk about it is trying to get your ball through the pins and trying to figure out what is that best skid hook roll transition. Because if you have, too short of a hook transition, that's when the ball is too skid flip and it's, you know, on the verge of out of control. When you bowl on those tougher sport conditions, it is so tough to control that. And, you know, if you're off just a little bit with your speed, if you're off with just a little bit with your accuracy, you're going to pay the maximum penalty. And, and that's why the scores were so low in the team event. So, um, you know, that's kind of what, what we saw. Yeah, and we saw teams try different strategies from, you know, using plastic for a little bit of the lane, you know, for a little bit of that session for the first five minutes. We saw teams do that. We saw, you know, it seems like in past there have been times when people have tried to maybe carve out a pattern, maybe create something. 
Um, did you guys even entertain any of those ideas, or did, do you think that's even you know those days are gone with the way the patterns are being designed nowadays? Um, I you know I I think there's always something to that um, where you've got to be careful and and you know some of the things that I've seen is that you know it's it's luck you've got to be on a good pair and trust me and that's the uh, the unfortunate thing there is some pairs are better than others even though it's a fresh new installation they try to create the flattest topography um, however with settling and you know, other differences in the lanes, whether it's, you know, uh, front to back transition with the panels or side to side transition with the panels. Some pairs just happen to carry better than others. And uh, so that's the first thing you got to have. Um, the second, I think you've got to have a balanced team with rev rate. Uh, I've seen so many teams go in there before with uh you know, a lot of teams, you know, with these younger kids, uh, they have such a high rev rate and that makes the pattern change so much faster than what you want it to be. And, and trying to stay lined up as that pattern transition is one of the most difficult things. And do you get a bunch of uh, higher rev rate guys playing in the same spot? or ladies, you know, I don't want to single that out because some of these ladies outread me and, you know, a lot of them are bowling the uh, open championships, but uh, you get in that same spot and you're, you're bringing in new surface um, and trying to open the lane up, you're going to run into a big, big problem. Um, You know, the best thing I would say is, you know, work with the same group of guys, try to stay close to each other, um, but be careful for changing balls, bringing in more surface during uh, that transition time, because all it's going to do is it's going to mess up your other nine players. Interesting point there, Billy. I've had some conversations just with um, with people that maybe do have a little bit more rev rate, and, and they're you know kind of of the opinion that the tournaments in the last couple of years have played more for the. The, the guys up the back of the ball, the guys who don't have as much, you know, side rotation on the ball. And what I'm hearing from you is it's not necessarily that. It's the fact that those guys are forced to move a lot more, which is then what makes their shot more challenging to keep up with it. Right, right. Um, well, I mean, Tim, if you look back, just let's just say the last two years, and you look at the all events champion, you had a, a gentleman, um, you know, both kind of PBA champions in that open division, um, you had Brad Angelo, who was very soft with his speed. Um, he can manipulate axis rotation better than anybody I know. And, uh, you know, he was using a lot of axis rotation, believe it or not, but using a softer speed. And that softer speed is what helped him control the pattern a lot more than, you know, a lot of the guys with the higher rev rates. Now, Brad doesn't have a huge rev rate, you know. He's probably... Oh gosh, I would say, you know, 370 to maybe 420 max when he's really going after it. Um, and then, you know, you look at uh, the all events champion this year, which is Kurt Pinwan. Um, kind of that same, built out of that same mold. You know, uh, similar amounts of axis rotation. Not huge, not like a Pete Weber, but definitely not up the back of it. 
And, you know, kind of in that same rev rate range, you know, 370 to 420. Um, but, uh, you know, with Kurt, he didn't throw a lot of surface. He used his speed to manipulate the pattern, even even on the tight miners pattern. Um, he used a little bit of surface to start, you know, maybe 2000, maybe 50, like a used 1500, but nothing nothing huge like some of the people i heard where they were saying oh my gosh the lanes were so tight in the miners you know that they were using 500 grit or something like that just to get it into a roll they used more of their speed and i think over the last couple of years that's that's kind of been the the one key to that whole formula to matching up again bill orlikowski joining me on the above 180.com podcast bill let's move on a little bit from the open championships as you're you're the director of product ball uh Director of Product Management for Balls with Brunswick, Deviate, and Radical. And we have some new rules that came down from the from the USBC. And let's talk about that from a manufacturer's perspective, what you guys are doing, if anything, to comply with some of the new standards. Yeah, definitely, Tim. Um, there's uh, a couple new ones that are coming down. Uh, one of the main ones that uh, I think are going to catch a lot of the you know, just the consumers or league bowlers by surprise is going to be that the weight hole um, by going from, you know, being allowed to have a weight hole to no weight holes. And uh, the first iteration of this rule, they were going to make a change in January of January 1st of 2020 and then make it implement it to where there were no weight holes on August 1st, 2020. Um, you know, the, all the manufacturers have tried to negotiate with the USBC and uh, they actually came back and, and updated the rule um, starting August 1st, 2018 for balls that are over 10 pounds. You're going to be allowed to, you know, use a, a ball that has a static weight balance uh, with a weight hole, that'll be an ounce or less of side, thumb, and finger weights, um, you know, kind of like what we're just normally used to. Or you have that option of being allowed to use, you know, three ounces of side, thumb, and finger weight or top weight, any combination there. Uh, but any hole that's in the ball has to be a gripping hole. So you can't cover it up you know, like with a two-handed delivery, or you can't, you know, uh, cover it up with a single no-thumb delivery. You have to make that particular choice. That you have to have your fingers in the ball if you're going to go above that uh, one-ounce threshold. So it sounds to me like that's kind of a an, an e, a softer transition, you could say, for someone who's in the market for a new bowling ball. It gives the, the pro shop operators a little bit more flexibility to say, look, we can already get this compliant with the rules that will fully take into effect, which is no weight hole, you know, coming in the future. Yeah, correct. And, and that was one of the things that, you know, us as manufacturers, you know, Storm, uh, Ebonite, Motive, Global, um, we all kind of got together and said, hey, look, you know, this little six month window is not, you know, a, enough time for all the consumers to be able to go back to the pro shop and say, you know what? Hey, I've, I've got my favorite ball here and I've got this weight hole in it. What do I need to do to be compliant with the rule? I've got to get this thing plugged. OK. And trying to get all the pro shops and, and to take care of all their customers with 
all those weight holes just we felt it wasn't you know a service to the industry to make it that short of a window and I'm, I'm glad they changed their minds. Um, it's going to be a little bit, like you said, Tim, a little bit of a softer transition. I think everybody's going to be able to get used to it a little bit better. Um, I know Mo Pinnell with Radical is going to go out and he's going to do a seminar series, which is going to be pretty interesting, uh, explaining the differences of, you know, going from no balance hole to, you know, these, uh, higher static weight balances. So that, that's going to be some inter- interesting research and uh, uh, seminar topics that he's going to be talking about. Uh, very much so. Mo is always great on this and understanding the, the ball dynamics and physics and ball roll. Mo is one of the best, certainly, when it comes to that. Quickly, I would like to remind folks, please remember to check out h5gbrands.com. They're one of the fine sponsors here at the Above180.com podcast. Check them out. Lots of great jerseys. You can design your own. You can pick one out you can make your own you can send them the artwork there's no hidden artwork fee so that's a great deal the other great deal is use promo code above 180 and you're going to get 20 dollars off your first order so use that code to get 20 dollars off if you just want to maybe choose your individuality you want to get something ready for your team coming up this year maybe you're, you know you're joining a new team you want to get something going there you can all do that check that all out at h5gbrands.com lots of great stuff maybe you want to get a, your favorite pros jersey you can do that as well there's a tab just go under the tab and you can see uh it says uh H5G staff style, so you're going to find all those crazy Kyle Troop jerseys and other jerseys you see. Design your own jersey, though. Let your individuality speak for you. Again, check everything out, h5gbrands.com. Also, Billy, need to remind folks, check out bowlingthismonth.com's Bowling Best, the most comprehensive technical resource all at your fingertips, bowlingthismonth.com. Seeing lots of great articles now, building effective bowling teams. That's something as we get ready for fall leagues to kick back in. You're looking for that great team, that great chemistry check out that article as well also the ball reviews on your left hand sign seeing the uh the radical beyond point ridiculous is uh up there so check out all that stuff and uh and great stuff here bowlingthismonth.com seven common problems that can hurt your bowling scores uh, great article there so check out all that stuff again it's all at your fingertips bowlingthismonth.com final couple questions i have for you billy um junior sure. gold junior gold is kicking off and and um, it's such a great event. It's happening this year in Dallas. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up one of the winners from last year, Brandon Bone, son of Parker Bone the third, and Leslie, who's on your staff. And, and just <laughs> talk about his game. And, and have you had a chance to see him? Because he looks, I mean, just, just like a chip off the old block when it comes to bowling and his, his dad. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the whole family. I mean, you can't, can't forget Justin either. Justin's a, a great, you know, bowler himself. Brandon, you know, left-handed, just like his dad. Um, you know, I've been exposed to these guys when I, they were four and five years old, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and they were out running around, you know, watching their dad bowl. And then after dad was done bowling, they'd get on the lanes. We'd have little practice sessions. So, you know, Brandon's been honing his skills on PBA conditions for the last 10 years. And, um, he has really come a long way with his game and, you know, looking to see what he can do in the future. It's, uh, he just keeps going at it, man. He's, uh, he's got that bowling, you know, uh, bowl, how do you say it in the blood, you know, with, uh, you know, Leslie be, being a great bowler herself bowling at, uh, I believe she bowled at Wichita state and was on team USA and Parker. I mean, they're just, they got great genetics and it's just, it's fantastic. So, um, 
yeah, he's, I hope I, you know, we're wishing him the best and hope he does, does great there. Well, and, and I'm sure too, it helps. They see all that their dad and mom worked at the game. So they know that it didn't just come naturally. They can be, they can have the best genes in the world, but they still have to work at it and still have to fine tune their craft. So they see that from their dad and mom as well. And that has to just make their game. I mean, just look out, you know, PBA in, in four or five years. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, for any any of the young kids uh, listening to your podcast, Tim, um, Junior Gold is such a great event. If they have a chance to go experience, go experience it. Um, the conditions are extremely difficult. It's extremely tough. And you have to persevere through, you know, all the different traveling to the different centers. Um, if, if you take it as a challenge and not as more of, you know, uh, how could I say, you know, <laughs> where I, I would hate to have the kids go there and have their expectations set too high because I don't know anybody that goes in there with super high expectations that isn't fully prepared that, uh, you know, does extremely well because that tournament is so humbling. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, yeah, I've been there a few times and watched the kids bowl and you see so many of them just get so disappointed because they can't believe how, how low they're scoring. But if you go in there with lower expectations, you practice your spares, you practice keeping that ball in front of you. And by that, I mean, just, you know, not trying to play those big angles like you can back on your, your house condition. And, uh, you know, just hitting the pocket, making your spares, you're going to do fantastic against competition. <laughs> well, awesome stuff, Bill. I want to thank you for joining me today. And this was fun. We need to catch up more often. And, uh, and all the best of luck with things at Brunswick. And we'll talk soon.